DJ PK, and we are joined now by Josh Newman, beat writer covering the University of Utah for the Salt Lake Tribune. Josh, good morning. Good morning, boys. How are you? We're doing well. I'm curious. Anything in your record in your reporting background prepare you for the last three months? Uh, <laughs> look, I've I've been around the block once or twice. Uh, I've been doing this long enough where nothing really uh, surprises me too much anymore. But I will say uh, the month of June, for various reasons that I'm sure we're about to get into, uh, it's been a little heavy. I'll say that. Yeah, you got to enjoy Friday afternoons. Yeah, for, for now, Friday afternoons just got to make you nervous as far as uh, what what they're going to dump on us. I mean, a, a couple of stories there with the transfer and the Morgan Scally obviously was a bombshell. Let's start with Scally. In my mind, you know, and DJ's too, take your time and come up with the right conclusion. So I'm expecting that it should extend for a few more weeks at least until the start of the season. Yeah, no, this is something that, uh, look, you have to handle it carefully uh, for any number of reasons. One, it's a, it's a sensitive topic in general. It's an important topic. It's, it's a sensitive topic. So from that standpoint, you don't rush anything. Uh, number two, Scally is a, he's a native son, right? He's a favorite son. Uh, he's been at the University of Utah as a player or as a coach uh, for almost 20 years. You know, played for Urban Meyer. Um, he's the you know he's the D coordinator now. He's the presumed successor to Kyle Whittingham. So you, for a number of reasons, you just can't rush this thing. You need to do it properly. You need to do it prudently. And if that means it has to take a little longer than people would like, so be it. So we've had uh, several ex players on who've been uh, critical of Morgan, but they also uh, unanimously have not wanted to see him lose his job. Uh, you've talked to a lot of players, I am sure. Have you gotten the same feedback? Yeah, I, I, don't, think, I don't think people want to see him fired. I also don't think that people think that he did anything with intent or in a, in a, um, a malicious manner. Now, with that said, if you're Utah, I just don't feel like, you know, you don't just let this slide. You can't just come out whenever they, you know, finish their investigation. You, you can't just do nothing, okay? I, I don't think necessarily that he should be fired, but there needs to be some sort of reprimand if for nothing else, just the optics of it. Just with what we're dealing with now in terms of, uh, you know, racial unrest in this country, you can't just do nothing. They should do something, but I, I don't think you're going to see something that is, you know, super severe. Yeah, I've spoken to some coaches on this issue, and one coach told me this is the exact worst time for this to come out for the obvious reasons. Another African-American coach told me that he viewed it as, well, is this a pattern or was this a one-off? You know, And in his mind, that would make a difference. And if we focus on the word, and we know the word that was used, I'm wondering if there would be more fallout beyond Morgan Scally because to assume that Morgan Scally was the only one who ever said that word or used that word in a text or whatever is somewhat naive. And so if you go down the road of some type of sanction for him, where would it end? Uh, yeah, that's a tough question. I do think that is uh, part of the big elephant in the room, right? Uh, what kind of sanction? How far would you take it? Um, look, he's 
again, he's the presumed head coach in waiting. Even if he wasn't, he is still viewed as a head coach someday. Um, does this harm his, you know, his future prospects as a head coach, whether it be at the University of Utah or elsewhere? Uh, you know, that is a fair question. That is something I've wondered. That is something I've asked about. You know, if you're going to reprimand him in some fashion, where does it end? Um, this is a, this is a big test. This is going to put Mark Harlan to the test, right? Uh, Mark Harlan, Utah's AD, comes in two years ago, um, hasn't had to make a head coaching hire in either of his major sports yet, football, basketball. This is going to be a test of, of Harlan's leadership to ultimately see uh, where this winds up, no matter how it winds up. So I'm curious where you think the buck will stop because some people, you know, <laughs> the titles are the same everywhere, but the power structure isn't, the, the power isn't dispersed the same way everywhere. So whether it's the head coach, Kyle Whittingham, or Mark Harlan, the AD, or Ruth Watkins, the president, who's going to have the biggest say in this decision? Good question. Um, and again, I, I, I think we're going to find that out. I don't think, in a general sense, I don't think we really know where that power fully lies. And I think part of this is, you know, Big, bigger, longer term. I, I, I think we're going to find that out. Um, look, when all this went down a few weeks ago, Harlan did the right thing, right? It, it, the whole thing came to his attention. He, he called Ruth Watkins. University leadership got involved, and they all decided that there was going to be an outside in investigation. Um, and I, I do believe that whatever, whatever happens here, whether you reprimand a termination, whatever winds up happening, I do think it's going to be a collective effort and, you know, no, no one person in charge is going to, uh, is going to ultimately make this decision. It's just too important. Okay. There's going to be a lot of voices offering their opinion and, um, and, and ultimately putting their foot down. How about the player involved in this? He came to Utah, was there for four years. I looked on Facebook, the family's adorned in Utah gear and all that stuff. So, uh, they, to an extent, and I can't speak for them, but at least it appears on the surface that they got past it. You think that could help? I think that should factor into it maybe a little bit, but again, we are living in a time now of of civil unrest uh, and racial unrest, and those things are those things are not easily uh, moved past. Even if look. Facebook is not real life, okay? People wearing, you know, the family wearing Utah gear on, on social media is fine. Um, there, there have been instances, as we're finding out now, across the country, places like the University of Iowa, um, you know, and, and, and other schools where similar stories are coming out. You're on scholarship. You're playing football. You're trying to work your way to the NFL. You're probably willing to, I don't want to say probably, you may be willing to move past some things in your own best interest at the time, but I don't think that putting those things to the side or getting past those things or getting over those things are easy. And look, with the with the killing of George Floyd and you know similar things that have gone on around the country, especially uh, especially recently, um, now is the time to to uh, to voice your opinion and to voice your concerns. And that's what this player and that's what that family um, has done. And they believe that it was in their best interest at the time. They think, they think that they were wronged by Morgan Scally, and they're right. They were wronged by Morgan Scally, and uh, Morgan Scally's actions um, are going to have 
consequences. All of our actions have consequences, but we, us three, we are not making $820,000 a year in a high-profile position. So his actions are going to have consequences one way or the other. So the basketball issue, I mean, that, that kind of caught us by surprise a little bit that the kid wants to leave before being in the program. Uh, man, how big of a blow is that to Larry? Yeah, this has been, you know, it's been the $64,000 question. How, how big of a blow is it? And I've gone back and forth. On one hand, I, I, I find it hard to get too bent out of shape in general over a kid that never stepped on your campus that never played a minute for you. On the other hand, the kid verbaled to Larry Kostowiak um, in August of last year. So Utah, Larry, and the staff, everybody was operating under the assumption for 10 months that the kid was coming. To that end, they stopped recruiting for that spot under the assumption that Loner was coming. Kid calls Larry up, wants out of his letter, no matter what, you know, look, there's all kinds of hearsay, rumors, whatever. The bottom line is, in June, for a kid to ask out of his letter of intent, that's a tough blow because that's a, you know, that's a, that's a rotation piece. Loner was going to play right away for the youth. Um, that, that was two open scholarships in late June. That's, that's tough sledding if you're a coaching staff. To have a kid ask out, you're, you're, you're stuck with two open spots in late June. You're, you know, it's late in, in the recruiting cycle, you're trying to fill the space. So it's been a it's been a tough month for Utah once that loner thing kind of popped off uh, June you know June fourth or fifth. So the uh, the decision to uh, let him out of the scholarship did that surprise you at uh, at all? I mean, there's a lot of scuttlebutt about how involved Mark Harlan got in that. What do you think? What do you know? No, I mean I did my reporting, and anybody's free to. To read that, it went online. Yes, uh, it went online yesterday. Yeah, um, the whole thing with you know Mark Harlan had to override Larry, and Larry didn't want to let him out is false, untrue. Um, there was a there was a short period of time where you know I think Larry had to maybe calm down and come to grips with it, but him and Mark Harlan had a conversation, and it was you know pretty easily agreed upon that they were going to let this kid out of his letter of intent. Uh, why did Utah let him out so easily? Because if you hold the kid hostage, if you hold him to his letter of intent, you look like the bully. You look like the antagonist. It looks poorly upon Utah. It looks poorly upon the athletic department. I understand the Utah-BYU thing, uh, you know, the arch rival. The kid wants to, you know, you know, the kid's parents are LDS. He's inactive LDS. The kid, you know, the kid's dad went to BYU. I understand all that. It doesn't matter. The only course of action, the only reasonable, rational course of action was to let the kid out of his letter of intent because if you don't, it's just a no-win situation. Because in the end, even if you hold the kid hostage, in the end, he doesn't want to play for you, period. So why hold on to him? There's just no point to that. Yeah, I can't argue, Josh, on anything that you said there. I mean, I think that's the final analysis, and you 
you walked us through that uh, conclusively. I, I can't. I just can't disagree with anything you say, <laughs> even though I may not like it. It's the. It's just the truth, and it's the reality of the situation. And with that in mind, it seems like, at least to us, you know, I covered University of Utah basketball in the '90s under Majerus for the Tribune, and my gosh, that place was rocking every night. And I'm sure you know about the history now that you've been here for a little while, and the fan base is just amazing demanding a winner and it seems like to an extent anyway dj actually thinks it more than i do that larry is in under the gun in hot water however you want to say it uh how important is this next season then yeah no um i've i'm kind of i think the majority of the fans that are really in, you know involved and really paying attention i think that faction of the fan base does believe and maybe fairly so that he's under the gun and he needs to win games, and he needs to get something done now. Um, I don't necessarily disagree with that, but to that point, I will say that his buyout after this next season, after the 2020-21 season, it's still pretty prohibitive. Okay, His, his buyout is a, is a big figure, and I don't know if Harlan and the university and the donor base is in any position to buy him out even after next season. Um, does he need to win now? I mean, I don't know. It, it, it depends on what you deem as winning. Um, if they win, I don't know. I'm just hypothetically putting it out there. 18, 19 games, they get to the NIT. Then, you know, most of the core is back the following season as, as juniors and seniors. Would that appease people? 18 wins, getting to the NIT, looking good for the following season. You know, uh, it all depends on what you, uh, excuse me, on how you want to view it. Me, I think the buyout is pretty prohibitive. I, I, I'm not. I'm not convinced that with another poor season, um, I'm not convinced Utah would be in a position um, to get rid of him next season anyway. Uh, I'm actually with you on that. I think that in normal times, um, that he has to win this year. But these are not normal times. And if you're looking at something in the six million dollar range. You know, depending on how this football season goes, how revenue goes, do they fulfill the TV contract? Uh, there's just no way to know. But we've heard all kinds of stories about budget cuts all across the country. Um, I mean, who's got more money than Michigan, right? Michigan's got to be one of the top 10 lucrative programs in the country. <clears throat> and yet they've got all their coaches you know, Harbaugh's taking a pay cut. It's football, it's basketball, it's the AD, it's all the high-profile people. So these are not normal times. I, I think in normal times, missing the tournament, and, and you can just open a media guide and go online in an online media guide and see this. In normal times, if you miss the tournament three years in a row at Utah, you're out. Oh, this is a... Look, and it's, it's not just Utah, okay? Coaching, coaching at the Power 5 level is a bottom-line business. And if you are not getting it done, if you are not going to the NCAA tournament at least semi-regularly, you are out of a job. Um, And look, at the time that Chris Hill, the former AD at Utah, at the time when he gave Larry Kostowiak his current contract, the trajectory, and correct me if I'm wrong, the trajectory of Utah basketball was up, right? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. They'd been to back-to-back NCAA tournaments. They went to the Sweet 16, almost took out Duke in a regional semifinal. So the trajectory of the program was up. So that was a giant contract at the time. But you could justify it 
because of what they had done in the recent past, where you thought they were going. And, you know, now they'd, now they've fallen on hard times. You know, I understand they went to the NIT a few times. They went to the garden for the NIT semis. Um, so, uh, I, I don't know what the answer is. I, I, I do think the buyout is prohibitive. I've, I've done some reporting on that too. The buyout is, uh, at or approaching eight figures after next season. Oh, Big really? number. Um, and as, as you guys said, um, we are not in normal times. Um, budget cuts, uh, not at Utah, but just in general. Budget cuts, will a football season get played? Are you go- is, is Harlan's athletic department going to be working at a deficit? Uh, I will say there has been no indication of any sport cuts or coaching salary cuts or anything like that at Utah, so that's good news. But, yeah, these are not normal times, and um, oddly, kind of sadly, that probably works in Larry's favor that we are living in odd times, especially financially when it, when it comes to college athletics. So under your scenario, I, have, I would have no problem of uh, retaining him if they 18, 19 games, and you said NIT, even if we have it, assuming we do, and they don't have a slew of transfers bringing him back. You're closer to the program than I am as far as the infusion of the talent. You would know more about it than I do. I know the talent that's there because I saw it on display this past season. But with the talent that's coming back combined with the new talent coming in, how realistic is it to get to that scenario? You know, I've, I've, I've spent, I got two-thirds of the season with the basketball team, right? I showed up here in early December, dove right in, so I feel like I'm in some position to, to you know, really know what's happening and really try to project. I've been bullish on this roster for a while, okay? They don't have any, you know, really four- or five-star studs, as a couple of other teams in the Pac-12 do, but I like their pieces, okay? I think Ryland Jones plays very hard for Larry. I think Brandon Carlson has shown flashes of being a really, really good Pac-12 big man. Um, if Alfonso Plummer could play some more defense, I like that kid. We saw what he did in the Pac-12 tournament. Uh, Timmy Allen is expected to return. I like their pieces. Um, I do think that they are still a season away from doing anything significant. That said, you look around the Pac-12, you look at who's coming back, there are some NBA draft decisions around the league that um, that we don't know yet. Okay, those kids that have until August third to make up their mind. All things being equal, looking around the league, I do believe that Utah could be in that four, five, six range. And if you're in that four, five, six range, even if you're closer to six, that means you're probably still, you know, looking at seventeen, eighteen-ish wins. Um, the non-conference schedule is, you know, let's call a spade a spade. The non-conference schedule is mostly soft. A lot of buy games at home. Um, if they take care of home in the non-conference, they go out to battle for Atlantis o- over Thanksgiving if that gets played in the middle of all this. If you can get two out of three in Atlantis, you take care of home, I think you're in position to go to the postseason. But, you know, hopefully, God willing, hopefully this, there is a basketball season. So you think the uh, the buyout is closer to the $8, 9000000 million range than it yeah, I don't have the story in front of me. I did this in like early February when people were starting to scream about about his job status. They were struggling on the road. The the buyout, as far as I saw in the contract and talking to people, the buyout is is near. I want to say it was nine point eight or ten point two. It's right around that eight figure range. It is a it is a 
big number for anybody, but it feels like an even bigger number given this athletic department. That was a big. That was with. That was the number with three years left, or that's a number with two years left on the contract. That that number is after after next season. Okay. After the twenty one season, the buyout is still yeah. in the nine or ten million dollar range. That's what I had it at. Yeah. The thing he has going that he had going for him when he got the contract, in addition to what you say with the Sweet Sixteen and then the second round appearance, was the fact that he built it up from literally ground zero. Everybody had left the program. He inherited nothing previous coach everybody went out the door and he had nothing to do with that so so the fact that he took it all the way from ground zero to there and the fact that he had played and coached in the NBA and that it looked like there you know there were certainly rumors that there were going to be offers coming from the NBA that's what drove the contract to the level it got to in retrospect it looks like way too much but at the time it looked aggressive but it didn't look as off the charts as it looks now Right. So. And look, right. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Yep. You can look at that contract four or five years later and think it was look under any conditions. As you just said, that contract was aggressive. That right. was a lot of money that put him into the top ten or fifteen nationally among all coaches. That contract was aggressive, but you could have justified it at the time. Okay, for all the reasons that we said, might look silly now, but at the time it looked aggressive. And part of that was you. You you had a you had a program again whose trajectory was up, so you wanted to make every play you could to try to hold on to him. If another college program tried to poach him, if he went back to the NBA, again hindsight's twenty twenty. Uh, I wasn't around in in twenty fifteen, but I you know I've done my homework and I've talked to enough people. At the time, you could easily have justified that contract. Well, Josh, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on, and uh, I hope your Fridays going forward are, you know, not as difficult. Oh, anytime, guys. You know what? It's early in the summer. I, I do expect at least a couple more Fridays to be ruined, but let's hope not. <laughs> Josh Newman, University of Utah beat writer for the Salt Lake Tribune. Join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.